Again, you guys are listening to views from the back of the class. I am one half of your co-host and team. My name is George Babbitt, but you can call me JB. And I am here with... It's Josh. What's up, nerds? What up, nerds? You know what it is. Hey, guys, listen. Um, I know we typically do nerd news, but we are foregoing that this episode. Josh and I have been talking about this thing for a while, and... It, is no time like the present. Yes, 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 we know that the CW's got crisis going on, and that's huge, and we are going to talk about that. Yes, we know Phase 4 is happening, and there's stuff, and we definitely got a lot to say about that. But today is all about the mutants. We are all about the X-Men. I don't know if you know or not, but there are big changes afoot for, for the mutants. And they've been through a lot lately. Yeah, that's our topic for the day. Are the X-Men still relevant? The X-Men, my favorite superheroes, hands down. I have a special place in my heart for the X-Men. So this is a topic I have been waiting to do. And, you know, JB and I, we, we differ in opinion somehow, but, you know, it's all... For your benefit, guys, it's all for you, your nerdy benefit to see where you fit in, in our arguments. So I would even pose the question, you know, with even with their immense popularity, and we can tell that by just the fact that even with everything that is happening in the MCU and has happened in the MCU, people are still clamoring for the X-Men. But uh, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of times they, they become, you know, this representation of something else you know right. it becomes an avatar for another idea that a lot of people have grabbed onto mm-hmm. but my question is what do they actually even represent a little bit of a, a history lesson i guess for those who may or may not be <laughs> privy to that one and i'm, I'm not gonna go you know <laughs> full-on uh lessons here but i do want to make sure that um we get a little bit of a background of oh no 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 what's this happening here. podcast is called views from the back of the class so we are going to school on this subject step one x-men debuted september 1963 bam created by stanley and jack kirby yes r.i.p the legends no no i'm just joking we're not going to do like a full history but um <laughs> <laughs> and the x stands for extra power even as a kid, I always wondered how that how that worked. Like, it, it would be right. E-Men, not X-Men. Right. But, you know, after the success of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, um, I think Stan Lee uh, gave an interview once about talking about the X-Men and how he came up with them. And he, so he was like, I can't have everyone bitten by a radioactive spider. So I'm going to make it that they're mutants and they're born this way. And that's a genius idea. I think he referred to it as being lazy. It's genius because it lets you do so much because they didn't just say, oh, it is what it is. They kind of explained why uh, people became empowered, you know, other than through science experiments and radioactive spiders and things like that. And it was genetic based, which I think at the time 
was, uh, I won't say ahead of its time, but it was pretty forward thinking, you know, in the early 60s when they were designing these characters. So, you know, we know the, well, I won't say we know, but the X-Men started with the original five, the pillars of the 200 plus characters who have been X-Men or associated with them. Mm-hmm. God Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops. Jean Grey, a.k.a. Marvel Girl. Uh, Hank McCoy. Um, Bobby Drake, a.k.a. Iceman. Warren Worthington III, a.k.a. Angel. Don't forget the third. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, finally led by Professor X. And it started from there, and it wasn't all projected upwards. It, it actually got canceled after a while, and they had to relaunch it. And they relaunched with like a giant size issue number one, I think it was 1975 or 19. I believe it was 75. Yeah, 1975, giant size issue number one, which became synonymous with the X-Men. You know, it was always an annual issue. You know, it, it kind of created a movement. And it's a reason why I, I think it's a reason why I feel it's a reason why that it has the impact the way it has. It's resonated through our childhoods and, you know, impacting us even to this day i mean i i've talked about it before in the in the show that i don't read the comics anymore um i think i I stopped right before messiah complex and that was me even catching up at the time um but we'll you know we'll get into that as we dive deeper into the conversation but i love the x-men like love the x-men i mean and and truth be told you know even casual fans do they have some love for the x-men i mean look at the popularity of a character like wolverine for example Mm -hmm. to the point that he's become this icon unto himself i mean he's moving he's moving comics yeah by himself like he is put into literally every x team that exists the team will splinter into different factions and somehow he finds his way on every team Mm -hmm. the dude is an x-man and an avenger and he's an Alpha Flight and an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Apparently he was uh, Agent of Hydra at one point. Like anything to get this person involved in order to basically get you to buy the books. I right. mean, that speaks to the popularity the of not only him, but really, you know, the foundation that he came from. And a lot of the themes that have come out of the X universe are things that have have been repeated in other places. Um, I, I don't want to say that, you know, Stan and Jack were the ones who originated social commentary in their books, but they certainly were heavily involved in the architecture of that portion of it, not mm-hmm. just through X-Men, but certainly through other comics. But but that was the mainstay with them. And with you bringing up, um, you know, Giant Size that came out in 75, that was reflected in that. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about the changes in ethnicities and characters and you know characters coming from different backgrounds yeah to to represent the world they live in that is a a a perfect example of that right you go from the original five which nothing wrong with any of them right but they were all white american students Mm -hmm. they were all pretty much cut from the same cloth and now you get a new team that you you know you got characters from ireland and Obviously, Wolverine being from Canada, uh, <laughs> Sunfire from Japan. Right. This is when we finally get Storm, Nightcrawler. Yeah, John's was it John Proudstar, Warpath? Yes. I mean, it was a united nation of, of mutants. 
Um, and it wasn't corny. No, not at all. And it was respectful. Exactly. And I use all of these examples and I kind of speak to these and and go back to that question about what they represent because of this um, inclusiveness that they had throughout its run and the, the topics that have been tackled. Do we even really need the X-Men at this point? They were there to kind of make the point, right? It's been long, long quoted and researched and, and cited. You know, we, mm-hmm. we kind of know that the X-Men were um, speaking through the comics, uh, the voice of the civil rights movement. And it was necessary at the time, right? It was uh, something that was useful. It was a way to be able to give a voice in a in a medium that maybe was more palatable to an audience that needed to hear it. Um, and perhaps by, by presenting it in this way, you could make the argument that would reach the audience and, you know, perhaps affect change. Maybe that's a little pie in the sky, but <laughs> I say that to say this. It was necessary at the time, but now in the the age of, you know, people really demanding to be included and demanding to have representation and really kind of putting the money where their mouths are at this point. Like, look, this is what we want to see. We want to see the world that we live in reflected. And if we don't, you know, we speak with our dollars. So that said, is there room for the X-Men at this point to be these avatars for, I hate this term, but social justice? <laughs> um, this is going to be a long answer to that question. Um, it was a long question. Go for it. No, no, no. It's 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 <laughs> cool. Um, so it, I think that answer is complex, right? Like we, you look at the the history of the X Men and what they were created for. You know, yes, they were created to um, sell comics and 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 bring in you know revenue to Marvel. Um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't. There was a story being told with them. It was a story. I can't think of the right term, but there was. Um, depth behind you know the the blue and the the yellow and the coloring and the storybooks and everything like Like x-men was you know it was about a representation of what was going on that if you were different you could relate to them it was a story of of good versus evil and that evil you know was representative of mutants it was representative of, of normal humans it took all kinds of shapes and forms and Yes, you could say that today that they're still needed, but at the same time, you know, those are the storylines from, you know, yesterday. Those that was the path that, you know, Jack Kirby and and, uh, Stan Lee and Chris Claremont and and a whole bunch of other guys. And, you know, not that I'm trying to forget people or not give them um, credit. I just can't think of the names, but you guys know who they are. But those are the people who kind of fine-tuned and shaped that world to the message that the team was on so i mean x-men to me touched on so many different things it touched on you know race religion uh sex that people could relate to and going back from the 60s to the to the 90s to the 2000s and i think that's the heart of what the comic is and we when you kind of stray from that you kind of lose that piece that makes it iconic and I think that's that's why the X-Men were so iconic. That's why the X-Men were so 
popular. They were, you know, they were the most popular franchise on Marvel. They still are the most popular franchise on Marvel. And the only reason, and, and I know some of you nerds out there are like, no, 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 no. It's the Avengers who has the best selling movie of all time, blah, blah, blah. Hey, screw that. I get it. Avengers just got popular. <laughs> And there's kind of a reason for that. Right. There's a reason. I mean, Avengers, that's how unpopular. And I'm not trying to, to, to put Avengers down, but that's how unpopular the Avengers were in that Marvel still had the movie rights to those characters and they didn't sell them. That that should tell you like how popular um, and how much demand it was for, for the Avengers, you know, after what, the 1970s or 1980s. I mean, X-Men was and is you know, like you were talking about wolverine they're they're bread and butter you know in print and in video games and and best believe when they come back to the big screen especially now that we know that marvel has the rights back and they're going to do it justice and do it correctly yeah but i think those issues that they brought up the social issues and stuff that's what makes it what it was and and when you get away from that um i think you you know you lose a bit of the soul of the material and it's not to say that, and I'll expound on this a little, you know, later as we continue our discussion. Not to say that you can't have these characters or these characters don't exist or um, aren't the same or anything like that. But you know, when I think of X Men, I think of not just you know great story and some bad stories and ridiculous things that have happened, but also just you know something if you feel like you don't belong and you feel like nobody relates to you and you feel like you're by yourself and you're you're you know you're in it alone you can open up an x-men comic and all of a sudden you realize i'm not alone when i think of it that's kind of one of the takeaways i have from it so yes they they kind of still are relevant but at the same time you know not to jump too far ahead in the conversation with the way things are going in the comics i don't know how relevant they really are as the x-men if that makes sense I think, but well said, by the way, I think that there's, I guess, a couple of different perspectives and, and a couple of different points of view for how, how do I want to say this? I guess conflicting interests in what to do with them, right? So from the, from the fan perspective, people are clamoring for these stories. And I think, you know, many of the fans of the franchise feel the way that you do in that, you know, there's good storytelling there's this group that are outcasts from society, but are still doing good and the, and the great storytelling that comes in with that. But at the end of the day, right, this is a business. So the conflicting interest that I spoke of from Marvel's point of view is, well, look, you know, the print industry is on an upswing lately, but by and large have been, you know, dropping off that they're just not making the kind of money that they would like and and certainly the the studio marvel studios is making more so it's like all right well the x-men are popular people like them they're buying the t-shirts they want to play the games but we can't make no money in these films right now so there was a push i feel and and i'm sure many others feel the same way to kind of put them on the back burner or in the print versions kind of scale back what was happening with them they weren't getting a shine they weren't getting the top you know writers and artists and they weren't getting nearly as many x books um put out there and just even in in within the content itself um there were literally 
just fewer mutants in the world, right? In, in the X right. universe. Part of that being, I, I feel a, a push to, well, if we can't, you know, use these books to push the films that we want to or push the films that we can make some money off of, then we're going to go ahead and pull back a little bit and we're just not going to, you know, create advertising for a studio that we're competing with or a studio that is not going to make us any money. We're just not going to do that. And we saw that also to a lesser degree with the Fantastic Four who eventually came back and, you know, things seem to be making a change in the X universe as well. But I think those two, those two ideas or those two points of view are probably putting us where we are now, where, you know, that question I think is still relevant, whether or not, you know, whether or not they're even needed. Um, For the record, I say yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're needed as much as, you know, we need, quote, any of the characters, right? It's all fiction. It's all entertainment. Certainly more important things in the world than that. But for the the purposes of... (laughs) You're attacking my childhood, bro. And in the context of the conversation, they, they are as needed as they ever were. I don't know that they have to be... They, I don't think they have to necessarily be the voice now for a people who are may have been voiceless for a time. Though there is not true equality, I don't I don't think we could say that we have that as of yet, but certainly in a better place than we had been. And I say we just whatever group you happen to belong to. Right. Just in general, people are, are um, in a better position to have their voices heard so we don't have to have uh concerns spoken through these fictional characters people can speak up for themselves interesting stories to have been told from that perspective but i don't know that we have to have that right they don't have to be these champions of real world issues in a fictional setting i don't think we need that anymore necessarily so i agree with you in some ways in others not so much now i think that i you know i do agree with you it's like do we need them to be what they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago? And I, and I agree, it's like not so much because there's just different areas out there for people to, you know, see people like them. You know, the Internet, every, the world's connected and through social media and, and, you know, local groups. But at the same time, I think, you know, that's that's the core. That's the heart of what they are. And uh, going along, you know, with your, with your talking about how the, the X-Men were sidelined, you mm-hmm. know, and you look at the history and for me, the writing and everything like that, when it started to take a downturn was when I think X2 came out. So like 2002, 2003, for me, that's kind of like when you saw them shift away from, I won't say their standard storylines, but... Um, you know, they're, they're moving away from the Genosha, uh, Wolverine killed Magneto and, you know, there's other things. And then, you know, they have this, I think it was like Grant Morrison or. Yeah, it was a Grant Morrison run in yeah, the Grant early Morrison. 2000s. Yeah. Um, he, you know, redesigned the costumes and they became, you know, the leather like ones kind of similar to the movies. And, you know, they're right. trying to like harmonize things and, and move kind of away of what it was that you know, was the backbone for that franchise for so long. You have House of M happens and you go from a couple million mutants to 200. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of the things that from a story point, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting story to take. It's like, Hey, 
you know, Xavier always said, uh, you know, we're the, we're the next stage or, you know, we're going to be the dominant species. And now all of a sudden we're endangered. I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting story to tell, but I don't know if it's really an X-Men story to tell. I don't know. I think, you know, like nowadays the characters are relevant. I think that the, you know, universe that they live in, everything like that, I think it's, it's important. And, you know, you guys know we don't talk politics in this show, but, you know, we watch the news or some of us do. And, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and, and stuff like that out there. So, you know, there's still people and, and kids and stuff growing up and getting bullied and, you know, so the same crap that was happening when we were kids and, and our parents were kids and stuff is still happening today. And yeah, they have different avenues to turn to to kind of help cope with that if they can um, and get help. If you got, you know, know anyone who's being bullied or anything like that, first of all, speak up. But second of all, you know, make sure that they're getting and talking to the right people they need to. Um, but I think it's still a market for that kind of a story today. And not, and not, I'm not saying like, you know, every issue, because not every issue was, was dealing with, you know, racial injustice or diversity or anything like that. But, you know, that was a core, you know, it was a, those core concepts in the, in the comics that they touched on. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I think the X-Men title carries a lot of weight with it. And when the storylines or the, the, the aim changes, that's when, you know, you start to to lose the relevancy of what the property is. Now, like, you know, like I said earlier, you can't really, it's not like you can't use these characters in different and tell the story, but I don't know if, if those characters should be, or they should be billed, you know, it's like X-Men. I mean, X-Men has name recognition, yeah, no. but I don't know if that's, you know, how it should be. Maybe it's, you, you create a new team. Maybe, you know, it's something different now. Instead of X-Men, it's the mutant team, super generic terrible name but yeah that was <laughs> quite bad the new yeah, new mutants can't all have alpha flight you know <laughs> <laughs> which is no longer solely mutant uh team anymore that's a, a government agency at this point what i will say is this um i think that you 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 can't really take away the diversity issue from the mutants and the social issues that have been the backbone of the characters just because of how they are interacted with in the world. So that's always going to be there. I just don't know that it has to, it doesn't have to be the same thing that has, it has always been mm -hmm. right. People in general grow, develop, have new experiences, and we don't always hold on to the same ideals. We always did, right. You should not be the same person at 50 as you were right. at 19, there should have been some type of a growth and sometimes it's better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's worse. Those are the type of things that I'm looking forward to seeing. And should we get that more of that? Then I think, yes, you know, there's obviously always going to be a place for the X-Men. I just don't, I don't know that it, they don't bear the responsibility of holding up or holding a mirror to, to culture the way right. that it once did. But I do think that within the context of the Marvel universe, there's definitely compelling stories to be told because of the way that, again, society deals with mutants. And it always makes me laugh because, you know, if you have Bobby Drake and Johnny Storm walking down the street, what's the difference, really? Right. You know what I mean? There's a dude made out of flames and a dude that's made out of ice. But somehow 
because Bobby Drake was born with these powers, he's somehow a, a you know, lesser lesser being or mm-hmm. somehow hated. It's so ridiculous. And I guess that's mm-hmm. the point. And we haven't even gotten to the Morlocks. That's a whole other thing. That's the thing that, you know, I think made that made X-Men so unique is is like you said, there's really no difference between them public perception is like oh you know this is a science experiment gone wrong but you know he's still cool and this one is like oh he's different from me i hate him but that translates to right. not even just skin color it translates to religion it translates to you know your culture oh you're emo i hate you you know oh you like this kind of music i hate you you know it's like it's it's right. people can relate to it on so many different levels and i'm not saying like the other comics aren't relatable but it strikes... It doesn't have that built-in voice, right. though. In, 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 you know, it strikes a different kind of chord. But it's like, you know, I don't know if, if... I mean, we talk with, you know, Mr. Arvell Jones about the mm-hmm. people he's worked for, the publishers he's worked for, and, and how progressive they were, and whether it was just intentional intentional or not. And Marvel was definitely intentional. Right. You know, according to him, Marvel was definitely intentional and being progressive at the time. Um, and, you know, in the seventies and the eighties. And, um, so, you know, the storylines then, yeah, I think you're right. They were definitely, you know, kind of holding up a mirror to society. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, if you, you look at the timing of, uh, certain storylines, God love man yes. kills, for instance, One of right? The best sto- comics is written without a doubt. I agree with you 100%. And the timing of it was. Um, exactly holding up a mirror to society. It's, you know, evangelicals <laughs> or uh, I guess singular in this case with it being striker, but, in, you know, evangelical having this hatred toward this particular group of people in this case being mm-hmm. the mutants, that is, that's the eighties yeah. in a nutshell, right? It was the law and order times. It was, I gotta be tread lightly here. I, I mean, no disrespect to anyone's notion, but, but certainly there was tension between religious leaders with with huge followings and a lot of power who may have been perceived as uh, having similar ideas toward people that Stryker had toward Mm -hmm. mutants. Now, whether this is factual or, you know, a person's opinion of, of the times is certainly left up to debate. And that's not the point that I'm making. Right. I'm not trying to say definitively one way or the other what a person should or shouldn't believe. But what I am saying is this is the perception of that is there. Right. And that is what Chris Claremont was presenting to the world at that time is, you know, this thing that's being talked about in, in the, in the world. And here I'm going to put this very same notion into this comic that exists, you know, with its mm-hmm. built in um, issues that would that would tie into to real life society. So that is an example of when it's done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impactful. It is it has and does stand the test of time. I know it's not time for homework, but you should definitely read that if you have not. Definitely. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's all flooding back to me now, like the Friends of Humanity, um, the Church of Humanity, the Purifiers. Yes. yes purifiers you know those things were epic and you know the imagery of those comics was profound and 
you know, even storylines later in like the 90s, like it wasn't even, um, you know, something that was carried out throughout the 90s was like the legacy virus. And that's, yep. you know, around the time of AIDS and hepatitis and um, a lot of other, you know, STDs right. and uh, viral diseases were getting a lot of, um, or were in the news a lot back then. I mean, some of you guys aren't aren't old enough to, to probably remember the commercials or anything like that. But, you know, that was timely for, for the era. But the storylines that they, they, how they handled that, you know, was, was so well. So now, you know, it's not only are there mutants who are hated just because they're different. And granted, there are some bad ones, but there are some bad people too. So, but now it's a disease right. that's only affecting mutants and how it was, you know, affecting that community. It's all just relatable. You know, it's all just relatable. It has given us quite a few moments. Um, it has touched on and, and will continue to, I think, touch on very topical issues. I just feel like the the burden of uh, carrying that is no longer there. I'm not saying that these mm-hmm. should go away. I'm not saying that they have to or that they will. But there's room to um, for the characters to have philosophical changes mm-hmm. in how they feel, right? Maybe they decide, you know what? I don't believe in Xavier's dream anymore. Not that I'm going to become, you know, part of the Brotherhood of, of Evil <laughs> Mutants or whatever. Which is but such a great title. I don't believe in this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something different. Yeah, and we've kind of seen that in some cases mm-hmm. already. They have grown in a way, and you know the Hope Summers storylines and. The gold and the yeah, blue man. and, and <laughs> Kitty Pride being on a space bullet and somehow getting back to Earth. There, you know, there is the growth there, too. And, it, you know, I'm not saying hopefully I'm not coming across as saying like, hey, everything should remain the status quo. Um, you know, do God loves man kills part two or days of future past part two. Like, I'm not saying do that. I'm just, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, hey, this is, uh, you know, what your you know what your roots are. So, you know, not that you have Fair to enough. stick to them 100%, but you shouldn't stray too far away just from disregard that. them. Because, you know, nowadays, and, and like I said, I haven't read in a long time. I mean, I do kind of keep up what's going on, but a lot of the things that are happening, it's not really drawing me back or back in. And, be, you know, it's because it doesn't seem like it's close to what I knew this property to be now that could be that could i could be 100 percent wrong i'm usually not wrong you guys know my record um <laughs> yikes yes you guys do know I'm his like record batting like 950 or something Ew. okay <laughs> shout out to the dark phoenix that hey, did come out that's still 500 but yeah so it's not the topics they're t- tackling nowadays aren't really drawing me in or back in or interesting me now i think you know, like I mentioned earlier, even though they shouldn't have to be the moral compass for the world anymore, I still think it's a need for them to still be in that space because, hey, world's a, a tough place and it's not friendly or fair or, you know, not everyone gets a fair shake and in such right. is life, you know, and it's like, hey, we should be able to deal with it. But at the same time, you know, we look for to entertainment for escapism and, you know, it's not all just junk food. Some of it's actually, right. you know, brain food or helps, you know, like the classics of yesterday, like the old man in the sea and to kill a mockingbird and, and stuff like that. You know, that's just not entertainment. Did I just equate X-Men to 
to kill a mockingbird and you and you really did but but to be fair uh specifically to kill a mockingbird you you got a point there right i could see a parallel being drawn yes one is classic literature one is uh pop for sure but uh it doesn't mean that the writing is not impactful it doesn't mean that you know the artwork isn't beautiful it is it just maybe not may not be as revered as other forms of literature but but certainly for the time that it that it came into existence it was just mm-hmm. as impactful no i agree 100 percent. but i don't know i just you know from the the more modern comics and and comparing them to to the older ones and even going back to the original run from like the 60s um i own a couple issues from back then um i, I told you guys i love x-men and i and i read them too i used to get like the big I don't even think they were graphic novels back then, but they were just reprints. And you had to order them from the library. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, reading those back issues and stuff like that, because they would be in sequential order to the story. So they were like before graphic novels became big. But reading those stories and, and comparing them to, to the new ones, I mean, it's they're different and they should be. Like you said, those the characters should grow, the story should grow, the universe should grow. But I don't know. I don't know how, how they stack up. I think the for me... The older uh, storylines carry more weight than the newer ones. Like in the newer ones, you see a lot more character growth and development. You see a lot. And plus, you know, comics have grown up a little bit. You know, they're not just marketed towards uh, children or teenagers and things like that. There's the audience, I would say, is the majority is probably in the 18 plus age because you got to have a job to be able to afford to read these things, man. You can't just borrow money from your parents like you could right. back in the day. You need a 40 hours yeah. solid <laughs> plus overtime. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Like, I remember having like the subscription. So, growing up, I had a subscription to two comics Spider Man and X Men. Um, and then, uh, what was it? X, it was Uncanny and then X Men and uh, Spider Man. And I can't remember what else, too, because something else, it was a spinoff that I had to get to, but I can't remember which one it was. But uh, anyway, I forgot where I was going with this now. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, I can't even rein you in here either, because I was just going along with you like, man, I'm trying to think of what what was I subscribing to back then. Um, Maybe it was was two Spider-Man and two X-Men. I don't think it was X-Factor, because it was after X-Factor's run before they they kind of like relaunched as like investigations right and you know that's the thing too is like some of the other titles that we've seen throughout history who live in that that universe i mean it's all one shared 616 universe but like you see you see like right. x factor they touched and stuff too but they weren't as you know aligned with social issues as x-men was that's what i was that's what i was going to say no. i was talking about sorry guys i was talking about character development nowadays and how comics are now geared towards an older audience so you can cover topics too that are more timely you know like miscarriages and divorce and neglectful parents and or children who feel like they're neglected or you know abuse you can cover things a little bit more now and it seems like uh that's where the character development has tended to go you know i remember the issues when warren worthington the third and uh, Psylocke were dating. And then they had issues because of, uh, was it not Sunspot? What was his name? Uh, anyway, they were having like relationship issues. And you're like, 
well, what's this doing in the comic? But at the same time, it's like, okay. Yeah, That's real stuff. Yeah, it's, it's stuff and fleshing it out and not just entertainment, but also too for the younger readers, like kind of showing not that, you know, you learn these things from comic books, but just how to deal <laughs> in relationships. Or at the very least, you get an exposure to the idea that, you know, everything doesn't get solved mm-hmm. right away. You know, and sometimes they don't get solved right. at all, right? You end up going your separate separate ways in, in, in certain incidents. They they do, and to be fair, a lot of comics have done that, but I guess that has been um, a steady diet of those things within mm-hmm. the X-Men universe. Back to a point that you were making a little bit earlier, just to, just to kind of touch on that and maybe wrap up that portion of it. Those topics aren't going anywhere or haven't gone anywhere. I would e- I would even challenge you on um, the idea that you know current stories don't hold up to the to the older ones. I would I would disagree. There were definitely some moments within recent X Men history that probably hold up, you know, just as well to some of the more classic storylines that we have now. Accepting the you know the pantheon of stories, right? We've mentioned one. The Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga, right? You're not touching that. You're not touching, you know, Age of Apocalypse. You're not touching mm-hmm. Days of Future Past. But there are other storylines that were that were dope that I would say that you could hold up against it, right? Like the Mutant Massacre, for instance. Right. You know, when we first got introduced to the Morlocks. Iconic story, dope story, poignant, you know, commentary that was there and then the whole thing with Gambit and, and the idea of the murder and everything. Like, it was it was all there. It was incredibly mm-hmm. interesting. You've gotten really good storylines that have come even recently that um, I could say would hold up to it. You got the uh, schism okay. situation, you know, where the team gets split, Cyclops and Wolverine going their separate ways and having differences in philosophy and the introduction of the new Hellfire Club within that, how that all worked out. I think that was a, a story that could stand up. The short-lived run of the Red Team, uh, X-Men Red Team, and everything that Gene, Gene was doing with that group and really trying to... She has this grand idea of you know carrying on Xavier's dream and, and having this, maybe not a utopia, but just a, a place for, you know human mutant cohabitation without the issues and it was it was a big big mm-hmm. idea and you know the the i don't want to spoil it i'm trying to you know clue you guys in without spoiling the story but uh there's a a, a villain there who just as powerful as she although we find out later not exactly but anyway quite formidable um, working against her in pretty nefarious ways that I think do kind of speak to the current culture we live or live in or the current climate that we see uh, around issues like that. So I, I don't think it's I don't think those things right. are going away. Um, and you have those storylines that exist right alongside these uh, side adventures. You know, you have the Mr. Mr. and Mrs. X with Rogan Gambit mm-hmm. and their, you know, tragic romance which doesn't hold up a mirror to anything necessarily. It's just, right. it's just a story. Know, yeah. Pretty good writing and entertaining. And I think there's a, a as long as you have that balance right. there, yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm good and, with it. And I, I do want to just point out, you know, just because, you, you know, you, you challenged my record earlier. Uh, Mutant Massacre was like the 80s. So 
Those are the older stories I'm talking about, you know, the stacking up against, not not like the original, you know, the 70s or the, but like the 80s and the 90s and the iconic stories of that time. But no, no, no. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, though. Um, and I, uh, like, a, hey, I don't agree 100% with it, but I do, you know, I'm, I'm what I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is, like, if if it's titled X-Men, there's for me, there's a certain expectation. Now, if it's, you know, under the X-Men umbrella and it's touching on different topics, I'm cool with it. You know, I just I just think it's, okay. you know, that that title X-Men, you know, it's synonymous with so much. I don't want to say that touches real life, but it but that's parallels real life that the topics should be appropriate or up to snuff to be to be under that title. Now, like you said, Mr. and Mrs. X, X Factor, X Force, X this, X that. Um, you know, those. Look, I don't have any beef with it. I mean, I. I mean, we've talked privately, you know, about how you know, not a big fan of certain things that happened in the comics. You know, like House of M. Right. And that's just with X Men, Spider Man. There's. Just blasphemous, by the way. That's another. That's <laughs> another time. We, we won't do right, it. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm. I. By the way, you better get used to it because you're gonna see House of M coming very and soon on the big screen. Nah, indeed, they it's just changed the name. No, actually, yes, WandaVision will be the beginning of it. WandaVision will be more akin to Avengers Disassembled, but House of M is re- being renamed Multiverse of Madness. Oh, okay. Yes, I said it. Yeah, and that's another thing we're gonna have to talk about. <laughs> but that's another yes we will that's that's, that's a separate issue we will definitely talk about that whole thing though i don't know it's just there's a place i think there's a place in the world for x-men there definitely is and there's still a, a place in the world for yes. the x-men who comment on social issues and, and what's happening in the world um and and you know not that we're doing final comments or anything like that but there are things that happen in the the comics you know like the early 2000s early to mid i think um pre house of m Oh, God. Remember the vampires? Yeah, that was a bad situation. Oh, man, that was terrible. But there was even some interesting stories that had, had come out of that. But, yeah, the vampire, vampire thing, thing was, was bad. Yeah, they're trying to jump on the Twilight bandwagon or some crap. But That's exactly what uh, it was. But Grant Morrison, man, I think. I know he's a divisive figure among the fans. But there were some, some doozies under him. Remember, do you remember uh, District X? Yeah. But District X is... Yeah, no, it's not a... That's it's, it's not an X-Men, so. No, it's not. It's not. But what it is, is it again speaks to that, you know, mirror to society again, right? It's gentrification. It is, you know, the ghettoization of groups of people, like literal right. ghetto at this point. This is the butte ghetto. So it was, there were some redeeming yeah, qualities it to it. It got, yeah. it got ridiculous. Yeah, it did get ridiculous. It was an interesting concept, you know, and unique storyline and, and. I don't know if it was ballsy or not, but because, I mean, X-Men's never really shied away from a topic. But right. I think the execution in that was kind of flawed. You know, but at the beginning, like when they, I can't remember, was it an ad in, a, in one of the comics or something that was coming or something, but it's it was really promising to begin with, but kind of just fizzled out and got, like you said, ridiculous. What it is, it's, it, there is such a, such a rich history that has existed that will 
continue on, right? There will be a, a tradition that continues on and that uh, I think ultimately the conclusion that we came to with the initial question of, you know, whether or not we need them, I would say absolutely. We do need them in some capacity. We do need, you know, need them to continue to be what they have always mm-hmm. been just without the burden of them being kind of the only ones and them being necessary to get the message out, I guess. In that way, I don't think we need them. We don't need them to be the voice, but certainly can be a, a commentator now or not exactly a spectator, right? right? But yeah, that's can comment from the sideline as opposed right. to the front line. And that's the thing, too, is... There we go. Nice nice way to put it. Um, but that's the thing, too, is like, I don't... Th- I, I don't think that they're recently I don't think that they really have been in the uh the arena I guess. And I would still disagree with that because when they when they come up even outside of X stories those things are are mentioned. You brought up the Genosha mm-hmm. incident. That still comes up. I can distinctly remember a moment in Civil War where, you know, Cap and Tony are trying to figure out who's doing what. And uh, Tony goes to Emma. Emma was leading, you know, the mm-hmm. X-Men at the time. Emma Frost. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, if um, you don't know who, which Emma he's talking about, stop listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. You guys don't listen to Josh. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's you know, he's talking to Emma Frost about it. You know, where are the mutants going to lie on the sideline? She's like, listen, uh, we're perfectly happy to stay on this little reservation that you've mm. made for us. At this time, they were literally isolated to the to the X Mansion. Um, all right. the mutants in the world, the with, number had decreased. Sentinel standing guard. <laughs> literally. Literally so, having Sentinel so standing bogus. guard. so bogus. Like, hey, to make sure you don't leave, we're going to put these machines that we designed to, to kill you. <laughs> to kill <laughs> guard. you on your property. Oh, man. <laughs> don't play baseball and hit a But home they're run. having this... No, my bad. I was just making an X-Men reference about playing baseball. Because <laughs> that's how much my I bad. love X-Men. <laughs> but yeah, the, in the conversation, you know, she's like, we're happy, happy to stand here. And Tony's trying to convince her, like, well, you know, you got to stand for something. You need to, to get into the fight. You guys could, you know, really make a difference. And she was like, talking to me about making a difference. Where were you when our mm-hmm. babies were burning? Mm-hmm. That was the quote. She's like, 13 million mutants died. Where right. were the Avengers? Those are the things that I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be an entire issue, but right. just those just lines. And I can I can quote these all day because <laughs> it, 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 it comes up. It comes up time and time again. Those moments you can do this all day, huh? Oh, yeah. No, I, I know. And I know that issue you're talking about. But, you know, again, that's, you know, 10 years. Was it 10 years now? 14 years ago? Yep. When that happened. Okay, let's move so. up. Let's move more recently than with um, Second Coming. A very similar situation right the x-men again are now not exactly forced but they're residing in san francisco they get domed off right mm-hmm. they about to get they, they about to get murked and it's a very similar situation all of a sudden you know the um not even the full avengers but some of the avengers show up fantastic four show up to try to do something but the whole thing is like okay well where were you where were you when the the events leading up to this we're happening now all of a sudden you're here after the damage has essentially been done mm-hmm. not nearly as powerful as what emma said but it it along the right. same vein much more recently and even yeah. more recently than that 
as recently as like more recently than 2010 yes <laughs> as recently as last week is there the, i'm listening the gene gray red team was last year that i was talking about but last week like there are definitely like huge revolutionary things that are happening with the x-men right now as we speak and i'll get to that during homework <laughs> interesting okay but obviously, you know, you and I both have got love for these characters. Huge, hugely. Oh, yeah, for sure. So obviously you were not around in the 60s. So <laughs> how did you <laughs> how did you get exposed to the X-Men? Like what how did you how did you get turned on to them and, and you know, develop this love for these characters in that way? Um, through the the comic, I mean, through the um the cartoon. Okay. And I grew up watching as a kid. Um, I was like four. I remember being like four or five. Holy smoke, I'm old. <laughs> four or five watching, you know, X-Men. And, um, you know, like I think I mentioned before on the podcast how, you know, my, my uh, mom was in the comics growing up. So she, I, I won't say she always, you know, kept him around or exposed us to him or anything like that, but... You know, she was like really into Thor, and she was like in, a, in Marvel and, and Fantastic Four. So yeah, it was the um, the X Men cartoon is kind of like what created my love for the comics. And then um, because there used to be a comic was X Men Adventures, and it was based off of the X Men cartoon. Yeah, I remember that. But hey, kids, back in the day, there was this thing called Fox Kids. It was like Saturdays <laughs> and it would start at like eight o'clock until like noon. And it would be like Spider Man, X Men, a couple other shows, Life the of the and crap like that. The Tick, yeah. Eat the Cat, yeah, it was mm-hmm. Taz of Tasmania or whatever it was called. So yeah, watching that and then realizing it was a comic book in X Men Adventures and then uh, being from going from there to, you know, growing up rewatching episodes and understanding them more as you know you get older you're like now seven eight nine ten and then getting introduced to uncanny x-men okay like you know i was i i at that point i remember knowing that you know x-men adventures was based off the the tv show and that x-men was based off of a comic so then i was like well let me go back and read the comics because i I think i was reading spider-man or maybe i was reading them both together but anyway i was i was i got the comics and um, that's when I started going to the library and getting those big books and, and reading the back issues and then picking them up from, you know, the grocery store. Because at that back then you could buy them at the grocery store, the Uncanny X-Men and X-Men and um, going from there. And uh, I remember being about 10 when the Magneto War issues were coming out. And uh, I think those were like some of my favorite series. I think that, yeah, around that area is that's when it's like, you know. I still love Spider-Man, but X-Men is kind of like what, you know, I just I just prefer the TV show was not 100 percent true to the comics. But, you know, the TV show was its own vehicle and it was faithful enough that it got the points across and it got the, the stories across and was just kind of like a gateway to a bigger universe. That's what's up. I mean, and that, that was what was so dope about that at the time we weren't like oversaturated with all of this content but you did have opportunity to go back and revisit uh these characters that you saw on screen uh small screen uh, that is 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go back and see the, the stories that kind of influenced or shaped at least some of the episodes. Obviously, it wasn't, a, right. um, you know, direct application, but it was enough uh, enough there that was interesting in the, in the cartoon. And you say, OK, well, let me go back and read this. And then you see those differences. And, yeah, you could definitely develop a, a fandom based on that. I can see mm-hmm. that. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it was great. And I remember um, the book, it was like a... It was, it was a kid's book at the time, but like Days of Future Past, I had read the comic and then there was a book and, you know, reading Cyclops and Phoenix and all this other stuff. So I was like, at, at one point, I was just like all about X-Men and Spider-Man. No. What about you? How'd you get into it? Um, I guess I was in born into stages. It. <laughs> right. I was born in 1963, September. It was put in my crib. I meant like Bane. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you merely adopt the darkness I was born into. I was born into it. I never, <laughs> I didn't know there was something other than X Men until I was a man. Um, <laughs> I, it, I guess it was in pieces for me. I was all about like anything superhero for as long as I can remember, mm. and um, I remember getting a, getting my hands on an X Men comic, and it was an old one, like old, and it, it wasn't anything you know outstanding about the storyline but just i found the characters interesting in that particular issue um and i I literally got it from like a yard sale and it was one of the 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 stories from like a 70s run but i recognized iceman in uh that comic from spider-man and his amazing friends that cartoon got it okay so i made that connection i was like okay this was dope and I was kind of tied in there, but I think the the seller or that solidified it for me was like you, the 90s Fox cartoon. But that coupled with the Chris Claremont written Jim Lee penciled um, issues of the X-Men from like 90, ooh, 93, 94, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. That's the when they went back to the individual uniforms and yes, there was like the blue and the gold teams. Exactly, that's where you had your blue and gold teams, which you know were very much reflected in the um, in the animation, but not. It wasn't the X Men Adventures, right? It wasn't a direct tie, but it, you could see the the differences. And just the artwork was super dope at the mm-hmm. time. It was so nineties, like everything was ridiculously huge muscles and big guns mm-hmm. like cable had guns for days and then it was all about like the hologram covers and it was just more spectacle than story in a lot of times but that appealed to me as a kid um and then i just kind of stuck along with it and i still rock with them to this day plus they got one of the illest characters in comics in one aurora monroe yes sir that's awesome. I know the issue you're talking about with Jim Lee and uh, Chris Claremont. You know, he he had such good runs and good stories with X-Men. Yes. The the one, I can't remember what it was called, Revelation or um, the one he did towards the, in the early 2000s that kind of like fizzled out. With, that Chris Claremont did? Mm-hmm. It was the one with, uh, it was right before Beast um, transformed into a cat, which was stupid. And he, I'm trying to think what it was. I think it was called X-Men Revelations. It was like this whole big thing because Chris Claremont was coming back. 
I remember it. I was, I'm trying to think of the name of the the like that run. What the what the theme of it was, and it's escaping me at the moment. I I misspoke to you. The part what really killed her for me, like I was reading X Men and in Spider Man, the hunt for Xavier, like that that arc. Yeah, that's the one where I was like, I could not wait for the next issue to come out. Like I remember being up, you know, you know, when you're a kid, you're like go to bed, and um, you know, being in bed and trying to read like the comic under the sheets with the flashlight because. <laughs> uh, they're like, nah, go to sleep. And it's like, I gotta figure what's going on. And Cerebral's gone bad. And yeah, that was wild. Man, it's just way more stuff than, than we could possibly dive into in one episode, for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Dan. And this is a, a difficult question, I would say. Of all the different rosters, which one do you think was the best? Or which one would you say is your favorite? Um, shoot. You know what's funny? is a lot of my favorite X-Men characters aren't, like, the mainstream ones. I mean, of course, you know, Wolverine and Cable and Bishop and uh, Shard and Shadowcat. And, but I, I really feel like that team that they had in um, the late 90s, so this is Wolverine when he still has the, the bone claws. He's not, he's not feral. Um, okay. He's back with the team. But it was, like, him and Rogue. And when Rogue was wearing her, like, well, I guess it's, the green jumpsuit was for a while. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was uh, I think it was Rogue, Gambit, Wolverine, Shadowcat, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Storm. And I might be missing a, someone or two. I think Bishop was on the team, too. But, yeah, I that's... Think you, I think you're getting a couple of them blended. Because the roster you're talking about was the um, the Claremont Claremont Burn roster, but Gambit wasn't mm-hmm. on it. Okay, you're, you're right. Because I remember an issue when he came back, and uh, I just remember uh, Ro calling him Swamp Rat a couple times or something like that. That's um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, like if you you know you're asking me who my favorite characters are, um, the Angel. I mean. Really? That's surprising. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. Angels well, he became one of my favorites. Um, you know, I think it was the, it, it was the um, the fallout from like the Morlock massacre. You know, when he loses his wings, and like <laughs> like this dude is going into depression. Yeah. And uh, you know, like his arc, and then he 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 makes a deal with uh, not the devil, but you know, basically immortals. <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah. Um, so he could fly again and stuff like that and then his his return and yeah he became one of my favorite characters so like angel um he was on that team that claremont team too for a time yeah he was yeah like yeah it was, it was i don't know just some good issues and good writing and I'm not saying that that didn't carry on past that time but yeah it's it's hard to say but what about you it is incredibly difficult um <laughs> i think i gotta go with either the blue team which I feel like is kind of a cop out because that's probably, yeah, I'm going to go with the blue team with a, a second one being the Utopia era team okay. um, just because of the raw power that's, of that group, man. Like talking about the San Francisco team. Yes. But, but post second coming, or I guess it would have been within that framework e- either before or after, but it was, 
you know, uh, Storm, Hope, Magneto, Magic, Emma, Scott, Colossus, and Namor is really what tips the scales for me because I found him yeah. to be interesting with the X-Men. But yeah, I think right. I, I think Blue Team is probably it though. Cause it's got a couple of my favorite um my favorite characters total on on the on the blue squad. So I probably gotta go with them. It's all good. Whichever team doesn't have Maggot on it, I'm cool. Maggot was the worst character of all time. Indeed. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I hated him. Like Swing and a miss. Dumbest, <laughs> yeah, it was the dumbest superpower. Jeez, Maggot. If you don't know who Maggot is, be glad. Yeah, okay. normally I'd say look this person up, but oh, you should. You need to know. But be warned, it's not. It's not fun. Yeah. Now you know who was who to me was a dope character, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if she ever manifested powers or not. I don't think so. But she was just not thinker, but strategist almost. Um, and this is related to X Men, not X Men directly, but Valerie Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think they there was a lot of potential for her character. Yeah, it was kind of dope to see the relationships that they built with with people. I mean, they were support support staff, for lack of a better word. Right. She was like the Colson before there was a Colson. Right. But yeah, like, oh man, I like X Factor back in the day too. Like the original five X Men, and then the uh, the government team, mm-hmm. Havoc and Polaris and Wolf's Bane and uh, Strong Guy. You know, in multiple man you know it was just it was just all good yeah it's definitely a a team that will fit your sensibilities like whatever you enjoy for uh storytelling wise there's probably a team and a run that will kind of fit your taste right let me ask you this one i know this wasn't on the original rundown but it just it's all good. something i was thinking of who would you say is your favorite character that is underrated or underutilized in comics film tv all of the above all of the above that's underutilized um, i'll give you mine just because right, I, I i had to answer while i was because <laughs> i thought of the question uh prodigy hmm, I, I wonder why no i'm kidding right prodigy oh really oh that's your answer <laughs> yeah prodigy is my answer i can see that um i just think that he's a, a dope a dope character in for those who are not familiar, which I don't anticipate many would be, uh, his mutant power was essentially just to have a photographic memory. Basically, <laughs> you teach him anything and he knows it instantly and doesn't forget it. That is like the most amazing thing to be done. And I right. think in the hands of the right writing team, <laughs> you could be, I mean, the dude could be Batman, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't think he he got his uh, fair shake. Well, yeah, some characters don't really. It's too many. Catch on. It's too yeah. many. Um, well, it's like over two hundred. Like, I just mentioned um, strong guy, in, yeah. in Wolfsbane, and I can't remember if they were ever actually technically X Men or just X Factor. But Wolfsbane had a really really complex story. Like her yeah. power wasn't her power wasn't really all that. But no. You know, I did like how she can go like full wolf or, you know, she could like transition into like yeah, like a hybrid. Yeah, that was interesting. But, you know, she's she was a, a Genosian. Yeah. And, you know, I had a tortured upbringing. Literally. Yeah. And, you know, now she's people want her to be a hero and 
I mean, <laughs> I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I could be misremembering some of the the comics, but I'm pretty sure in her wolf's form, she's uh, she, oh, she's a killer. Oh no, no, not just that. I think she was like a cannibal. <laughs> I think you're so, right, actually. Yeah, I think because I think if I remember correctly, it was an issue, and I might have to go back and and pull my old comics out. Um, that Polaris got like disgusted because she hated Polaris because um, she was in love with uh alex mm-hmm. that she discussed at polaris or something she was like eating a guy or something like that um yeah those are interesting characters i don't know if they how they would translate to you know the big screen or the small screen um but then strong guy too was interesting because he was like your uh wise cracking happy-go-lucky guy you know in front of everyone else and then you know his his monologues and stuff like that dude was like tortured yeah and I guess that's a lot of characters too, but I mean, you gotta have some of that in you to to decide that you're gonna uh, get involved in any sort of heroics. Mm-hmm. But what yeah, was I'm interesting about Strong Guy in that way, you bring up a really good point about him being emotionally complex like that. That was yeah. that was not a thing of the '90s. Like he was kind of the antitype mm-hmm. at that point because everybody was not that everybody was you know uberly confident and internally and externally where you Mm -hmm. actually have this person who's you know physically and um like literally strong guy right that's that was his thing he's just this huge dude and like you mentioned him you know showing everybody this idea of being jovial and he really wasn't Mm -hmm. i thought that was that was a a good bit of writing and an interesting take on a character for sure now I will I I mentioned earlier you know this is one of my favorite characters but I'll say you know Warren Worthington he's he's had his moments in the comics like you know I feel like on, as far as movies and TV goes definitely underutilized agreed 100%. agreed and you know his character is I mean other than the fact that he's like one of the founding members right. just like the the arc he went through like I, I mentioned earlier losing his wings uh, deal with the devil to to fly again redemption being uh and, and then the 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 pull of him being you know warren worthington the third one of the richest men in the world and you know the the pull of being involved in the family business and um not being the child that his parent that he knows his parents wanted and things like that so you know it's pretty um i think he's he's another complex character who if done correctly um i think would I won't say become easily become a fan favorite, but I think more fans, you know, who are exposed would be like, Oh, this guy's pretty interesting. He he can do more than just fly around. Oh, he's he's killer. With he's killer. Like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's worth looking into. I'm I'm picturing some of the more recent runs with the um most recent uncanny X Men roster where it was uh he and Tylock Logan, Bishop, Gambit, Rogue, and Mystique, I believe. Um, he has some moments in that where that were interesting, and the couple storylines even from years before, you know, the the early twenty teens, um, where you see that conflict come into play repeatedly. You know, him being Warren, you know, billionaire, Playboy. Yeah, I was trying not to say that, but that's essentially what it is. <laughs> um, and then Archangel, you know, with 
almost a literal thirst for blood. It was it's something to that. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he's that's that's a good call. That's a good call. Especially like you said in film and and animated world. Um we don't get to see him very much at all. He don't do nothing. He's just kind of there. The less said about X-Men Apocalypse the film the better. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Yeah, we all did. Cuz it wasn't his wing like damaged or something. Yep. And he was like a drunk or yeah. Yeah, stupid. he was cage fighting. Right, that's so stupid. Yeah. Unnecessary stuff Fox did that was just like, why is this in here? Exactly. Want to show him, then just show him and let him be who who he's going to be. Man, we could do this for another three episodes. Seriously. <laughs> I think we should. From now on, this is views from the back of X-Men. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not weird at all. No, no, not at all. I think we got to get the people some homework and uh, we'll revisit this because there's so much more to get into. But I think that we can give you guys some. And we've sprinkled some throughout the whole episode, but definitely you know, check out the recommendations that we've given and uh, we're going to drop drop some, some more gems before we get out of here for you guys. Sounds good. So Josh, what do you have for the people this week? I'm going to take you guys back in time. You should be able to find these on Amazon or you should be able to um, you know, uh, find the graphic novels. I mean, Amazon, they're probably like a dollar or something. Uh, but the graphic novels, if you can, if, if you can find anything from in the uncanny x-men or x-men run um i think uncanny would probably be like in the 340s on up check out some of those stories those are some really good ones um one that comes to mind is like number I wrote this down uh 359 it's like rogue breaks out there's a um the premise in that one is there is a uh, doctor who's come up with a cure and she's debating about going to to get it and then it turns out that that might not be the case. Uh, there's another issue, too, where the team, Gene's been acting weird, and uh, the original X-Men, so Gene, Cyclops, Bobby, Hank, and Warren go to Alaska and uh, with Scott, you know, to just get the gang back together and just relax. And there's some weird things that are happening in Alaska, and that's really freed. But yeah, and then you... You know, if you can find it, uh, the graphic novel that covers the the hunt for Xavier, definitely read that. Good story there. Cerebro becomes sentient, um, aims on eliminating Xavier and, and the X-Men try to get him back. And then the Magneto War. That's probably like another iconic one when Magneto, you know, he's, he's like, hey, I'm sick of this. And he basically flies to the United Nation and holds the world hostage for Genosha. Check those out. Definitely go back and check out some of those 90s storylines. So I have a series of a couple of things that you guys should read this week. And I only have a series of them because it leads up to something else. So we talked about Giant Size X-Men number one, where you get all of these new characters introduced. So that would be the first part. You want to get your hands on that one. I know you can find it. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it whatever comic shop online. It might cost you four or five bucks. Definitely worth it. Dope story. Good artwork. But it's also setting up some other things. Coupled with that, 
X-Men Deadly Genesis. You are jumping in time literally 20 years, uh, real time, not comic time, from 1975 to 2006. So, what, 21 years. X-Men Deadly Genesis. There is something that happens in the initial one that I gave you to read, Giant, that is referred to in this trade paperback, Deadly Genesis. There are some things that happen that very interesting. And that leads you to 2019 House of X. Get those three. And this is a new um, beginning with the the current X-Men. So if you have not read um, X-Men comics at all or in a while, this could be a very good starting off point for you. Um, There are big things that are happening, big changes to be made. um, And this story is the beginning of what will set up the x-men to the future so get your hands on those three and i think that is a good trajectory for the week for sure all x-men all the time and we might throw some more of them up there we can do this all day all day <laughs> like uh, cab right yeah man Josh, this was fun yeah no definitely cool so thank you guys for listening um, let us know what you guys think. Let us know what you, how you feel about the X-Men nowadays. If we're on off base, if you agree with us, you agree with us except for this, that, and the other, let us know. You know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram at views from the back of the class underscore pod. You can find us on Twitter at the other N word, and you can call or text us at 312-521-0527. If you guys enjoy our show, be sure to check out the indoors women podcast hosted by two best friends and they discuss kind of like what we do um and they have a really 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 different perspective that's awesome you know i i I love listening to the show and they cover topics that we cover and i'm like crap i wish i thought about that why didn't i think about that but different perspective check it out you'll enjoy it don't forget subscribe rate review and tell a friend and that said as always ladies and gentlemen Class dismissed.